Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Dead Jester Productions podcast, episode number 197, so close to 200. Uh, I'm your host, Josh or Jay Moskers, once again. This week, joined by special guest, Lane Raspberry. Thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me, Josh. Really excited for this one. Um, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself and what you got going on over there, what you do? Well, Josh, I really like editing Wikipedia. I've been editing Wikipedia for a long time. I'm happy to talk with anybody about any aspect of Wikipedia. Thanks for having me. I love talking about online content, content creator communities, and how Wikipedia interacts with other parts of the web. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. Um, obviously, I, was, I wanted to ask you about how you actually got started with Wikipedia. Because I remember being back in you know middle school and high school, we would talk about, I mean, I'm sure you've, you've dealt with it a lot about, you know, people just going on Wikipedia and just trying to make little edits and stuff like that, like jokes, messing with posts and stuff. But how do you actually get started with being an actual editor of Wikipedia and like a content manager of it almost? I started with Wikipedia the same way that many people get started. And you guessed it, making jokes, vandalizing Wikipedia, <laughs> just disrupting the project. Right. I, I did this for the first time in 2004 went into Wikipedia, and within minutes of my vandalism, uh, somebody <laughs> detected it. They told me not to do it, and I knew that I was being watched by an actual human. So that was that was an early experience that I had. That was in place in 2004. It's been near, nearly 20 years at this point, and yeah. the vandalism and misconduct protection in Wikipedia has gotten even better. If somebody tries to do these kind of jokes or tries to slip this by in Wikipedia, it's just getting more sophisticated with mixes of AI and, and social technology, better organized communities to detect these things. And I would say that, that many tens of thousands of people have, the, have had the same experience of their, their first edits in Wikipedia, some kind of vandalism. And then they realize, oh, there's, there's actually humans behind this project that are watching me. Yeah. I know you've mentioned it. I, I was watching a number of your YouTube videos. You've mentioned a lot of the different processes involved, different um, you know concepts behind Wikipedia. How does one go about, in a brief manner, I suppose, how do you go about getting uh, you know, an article? Like if I wanted to put something about Dead Jester Productions up on Wikipedia, is that a simple process where I can just type something up and submit it for review? It depends. So the, the, base, the hardest part of submitting to Wikipedia is writing the content off Wikipedia, going into your own word process or text document, whatever, whatever you have, and writing the content. Submitting mm -hmm. to Wikipedia is easier. When you submit to Wikipedia, there's there's content that's acceptable, there's content that's not acceptable, and what Wikipedia is looking for is citations to reliable sources. Mm -hmm. So if, if I had to suggest the easiest process that's going to be accepted into Wikipedia, uh, write a five-sentence article about, about the topic, have a citation to a source that, that can fact-check Every, uh, each claim, so a fact in each sentence, five, five sentences, five facts, uh, and then a different source for every one of those claims. And if you actually have five publications that are not self-published, that are to some independent source, and you submit that five-sentence, five-citation article to Wikipedia, it's, it's almost certainly going to pass the review process. It's going to be published in Wikipedia immediately. So you just write that in your own document. Upload it to Wikipedia. That could take sixty seconds. The publishing in Wikipedia part, and then and then you're good. But that 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 can be a burden to identify those five sources. I was going to ask as well because, in my mind, surely I mean Wikipedia has, I forget how many how much data they they have on the server. I saw it the other day, um, where like surely at a certain point they can't just. Yeah, I would imagine it's hard to let anything and everyone 
just be on Wikipedia, like articles about everything. Like, like I was, I was curious about like the, uh, the process by which they allow things on there. Cause if I'm just churning out different articles and content on there, I would have to assume at some point it's going to get flagged for, uh, just taking up too much space, especially if there's like images being put on or whatnot. Is there any sort of, uh, safeguards in place for that to manage the amount of data being uploaded to Wikipedia? So the, the the world is becoming a strange place. What One of the things that you said is Wikipedia being too full. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to, you could download a copy of the entire Wikipedia and put it on your phone. Just about anyone mm-hmm. in the world can. So the, the technology in the world is getting strange. It's not that Wikipedia is getting full. It's about the, the barrier is quality control and the wiki community yeah. wanting to have a certain, certain level of fact checking and, and quality for all the content. Mm-hmm. There's something called the, the notability policy. If an article, if a topic meets the notability policy, if it passes, then it can be included in Wikipedia. If it doesn't meet the notability policy, it's excluded. And the the, the chief way that this is checked is that Wikipedia is not a, a source for journalism or original reporting. It's not a place for original research. It's a summary of what's already been published. So what the editors are checking, they're not trying to independently verify the, the claims made by sources, what they're doing is checking the, the quality and reliability of the sources being cited. Mm-hmm. So some okay. of the things that they're going to check is if somebody cites a source, has that source been cited in Wikipedia before? And for almost all sources, we're, we're getting to the point where we, there, there's been hundreds of thousands of things cited. So it, it gets checked in that way. Is it is it New York Times at, at the top of things? Is it a high school newspaper, which is also quite acceptable for many topics? Uh, is it is it a, is it a regional publication? Did you have independent research? Um, is it is it a well known blogger of some kind who who goes through an editorial process that can be a reliable source if if they're an expert in their field or if they're if they're known to be a commentator on a particular topic and reliable and do some kind of fact checking? But we keep a database of, of these kinds of sources and it's quite acceptable for people to cite new sources that haven't been cited before, but. Increasingly, the, the fact-checking process in Wikipedia is getting more sophisticated with this kind of technology. It's a mix of humans testing these things and also different kinds of either automated processes or even artificial intelligence processes checking things as well. Makes sense. Yeah, I, I actually have a have, have a conversation coming up with a guy about AI and how it's you know being utilized in different ways, and uh, it is interesting to see how it could have affect things like this where not only not necessarily fact checking but like source checking and just automating those processes but just taking the workload off of people to absolutely them up for more specific tasks that might not be as well suited for ai usage it's getting cheaper um, and quicker and easier to use of course there's, there's very sophisticated problems mm-hmm. but there's a lot of technology that's accessible to people who just just can download things and run them yeah, I mean, I, believe me, I we use AI daily for for my work, and mm. uh, it is it has taken hours off of our day each day as far as like certain workloads. The world and, is changing uh, very quickly. Yes, yes, and I know a lot of people say, "Oh, that'll put people out of jobs," but it is it's taken certain workloads off of my back, but it has opened me up to having additional requests for different work <laughs> put on my plate. So it is not certainly not putting me out of a job in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, same, same same with Wikipedia. So th- there's all kinds of bots r- running around in Wikipedia doing tasks. And the community is appreciative of this. The people who used to do those tasks, they, they, they go on to do other things. Of course, Wikipedia is primarily a, a volunteer project. Almost everyone who's editing is a volunteer. 
But yeah. the the workload being put on the bots increases every year, and people are happier and happier with the bots. Nice. Yeah, it it is interesting because, like I said, going back to what I mentioned at the top of the show, you know, being in high school and using it, Wikipedia was always like a go to resource when I was researching for whatever project I was working on in school, uh, specifically because I could then cite the sources on Wikipedia and then use them as my own sources then as well. It was a great middle ground, you know, like not necessarily middleman, but I suppose to an extent of using it to get to actual sources and sourcing sources. Um, even though I know, you know, our school was not big on us using Wikipedia to the point where they blocked it at a certain point, which was frustrating. I, I hear, hear that a lot. And I, I, there's been a lot of skepticism about Wikipedia because it's nonprofit because it's volunteer run, but, We've always had an editorial process in Wikipedia, and I, I think it's been a, a, a high-quality editorial process almost, almost since the beginning, since, since anyone che- checked such a thing. Mm-hmm. And for, for every given topic, it, it's getting more sophisticated every year, but we've, as editors, we've always looked, what are the, the best quality sources that we can find in the world? Let's get those sources cited in the Wikipedia article for the topic. And even if somebody doesn't want to read the content, our, our summaries in Wikipedia, mm-hmm. we, we, we have an open call out for, for every topic in the world. Does anybody, can anybody identify the best sources which somebody ought to be summarizing for, for this topic? And we get those cited in the Wikipedia article. So if somebody wants to use the references, like you're saying, I, I think that's a great resource. And if you think about what are the alternatives to Wikipedia, supposing someone doesn't like Wikipedia, but they mm-hmm. want to use the thing that's like Wikipedia, but better than Wikipedia, I, I would say that there's there's no such source that exists. Yeah, I mean, in my mind, it was always it shouldn't matter, you know, you know what. Not necessarily Wikipedia is not necessarily a, a search engine, but you know, it's the same principle where it's like it shouldn't matter what method you're using to get to the source. If you're getting the same quality of source, I should be fine. It was it was weird to me that they kind of held us down, uh, held us back in that regard. I don't remember what we actually ended up using in school. They used some, probably something that the school ended up paying for. Probably. Uh, I, I couldn't remember. It's been far too long. <laughs> we, we in Wikipedia, so we, we have access to all the research sor- search engines. You could look at mm-hmm. university library, ac- academic searches. So in, yeah. in the Wiki community network, we, we have all these things. So people can search different different library systems. There's academic searches that that you pay for. Independently of universities, we, we have access to those, all kinds of information databases. I'm not saying we, we, we lack experts in every field. It's a lot mm-hmm. of amateurs in Wikipedia, and we don't have expertise represented from every professional field or every every hobby. So there's there's always a need for more expert suggestions in Wikipedia. But it is a standing call, a beacon beacon on the internet saying, if you've got something to sh- something to share, and even if you don't want to write it out, can you please just send the information to us? Suggest it. Give us give us the tip, and we'll we'll do our best to summarize it and make sure that information is represented. And from different ways, we 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 do get these suggestions from from so many people on so many topics. Even if the experts themselves don't have time to contribute or or learn to edit Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Wikipedia has been online for what, like twenty. 21, 22 years or something like that, probably, right? January 15th, 2001. Okay. It's 22. Okay, I was spot on. Nice. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, 
I remember, you know, it just over the years, how it's changed in the sense of like the usability of it in certain aspects, the, just the breadth of information available on it. Um, and it's, like I say, it's one of the most valuable resources of information you're going to find online. Um, and I know they, one of the things that they've often done is ask for donations in order to help support it. Cause they don't run ads. Um, they don't want to, you know, use user data and like resell it, which is what a ton of people, ton of, uh, online, you know, storefronts, business fronts do. Um, what is your thought process on like how the, uh, donation side of things works? Do you, would you say it's been successful? I don't know your experience with it, but I'm, I'm going awesome, to say it's successful and I'm not going to criticize any part of it, but I am mm. going to say that we're always looking for more people to participate in the, the user governance process. Mm-hmm. Let, let, let me say something about this. So there's, there's all these websites out there, every social media website you can think of YouTube and Instagram, uh, Reddit, different kinds of forums run, run by some people mm-hmm. or others. So you were saying no, no advertising nonprofit wikipedia is that so it's one of the the rare places you can go on the internet that is like a a public park it's for for the people it's intended to be accessed by 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 everybody you're not exposed to any advertising that's that's one nobody's trying to sell you anything on wikipedia mm-hmm. we're pretty fierce to keep advertisers and, and marketers out there's different ways that we do have articles on brands and articles on products but it's it's independent of of the advertisers and marketers and people who are selling selling them. Also, you were saying about the the tracking of user data. Mm-hmm. Just about every website that you go to, every click, and how long you spend on every page. Certainly, with the with the big corporate websites, anything by by yeah. Amazon or, or Meta or Google, they're, cal- they're 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 watching you. The internet is is watching mm-hmm. you every every hour of the day. Your phone is reporting your location and every every search you've ever done. That's in your profile. If you think you don't have a profile with a social media website, I assure you that every social media website still has a profile on you because they observe you, whether you register an account, even if you've never registered an account, you're observed by everybody in so many different ways. They all trade data with each other and they'll sell it uh, s- sell it to whoever, whoever has the money or maybe just it gets leaked out anyway, independently of this. Wikipedia. In, in narrow cases for limited amounts of time to limited people and in high security conditions, we watch people for like set amounts of times for research only just to get the trends. And that's mm-hmm. under such high security. We do not let that data get out. You could say that there, there's no tracking or observation of the readers on Wikipedia, you know, really forever. But the reality is, you know, this small amount of time, we watch a small amount of users just for research purposes to understand what's going on. You're, you're not tracked on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. And this idea of no advertising on Wikipedia, freely accessible to everybody, keep out advertisers, don't do tracking, destroy the user data so that even if we're requested by a government to turn over the reader data, we don't even have it to turn over. We yeah. cannot comply with, with court orders even. This is because unusually among the websites, Wikipedia is user governed. If the if the if the contributors to to YouTube didn't like some of YouTube's policies and they wanted to protest and say let's change the laws of YouTube, then Google that owns YouTube is is not going to bend to the community's will 
ultimately it's it's going to be Google that decides what happens with the YouTube community and same with any other platform. But Wikipedia is actually user governed. The the idea and we're we're looking for a more perfect democracy, trying trying to get better. How do you get better consensus, better better comments from the community, more power distributed throughout the, the our, our global community but the intent has always been that the community of users should design design and decide the values and ethics of what it means to operate wikipedia deliver wikipedia and and everything so when you're talking about the donations i'm not going to say the community's dissatisfied with donations. No one can think of a better way to do things. I'll put it to you that way. But some of the things that we've wished would happen with donations are how do we get more of the money into our Wikipedia editors in lower and middle income countries? It's It can be a challenge to get the kind of community organization to sponsor Wikipedia outreach and education in countries that have less participation on the internet or... Um, have trouble crossing language barriers. Many of the decisions and the governance processes, they happen in, in English language. We do translate as much as we can, but we've got users who speak every different language. Wikipedia is very well developed in about a hundred languages. Articles are translated to have a viable Wikipedia in, in, in about a hundred languages. And we have people all over the world who are, who are trying to participate in this thing, share knowledge, get, get information passed around the world, d- deliver it for free. And, we're, we're continually having these conversations about how do we be more equitable? How do we get more people involved? What's the wisest way to distribute this money that, that comes into the Wikimedia Foundation to correct information gaps, to, to get more representation, to, to pull in knowledge that we, we know that we don't have, but that we want? Mm-hmm. A lot going on there. <laughs> yeah. It, like I said, I, I've, I think the, ask, the asking for donations, the way it's handled now is... is the best way to go about it to keep it fair and open and honest. I mean, you, uh, we're, we're not selling. Yeah. No selling advertisements, yeah. not beholden to particular donors. Most of the money mm-hmm. that, that runs Wikipedia, it's from small donations from individuals, like somebody giving, somebody giving $3. A lot of people give $3. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people give less than, than, than $20 us. I, I think that's about the average, but, yeah, uh, a, a, a mean, large, a large number of those small donations. I mean, as someone, like I said, uh, this was a little over three years ago now when I was, I was home from work. I'd gotten furloughed during COVID lockdowns and everything. Mm-hmm. I did Twitch streaming and, you know, nobody's donating huge amounts of money. I was nobody. Mm-hmm. And, but it added up. Like if everyone's donating a dollar, I have 10 people do that. Now I have $10, right? Which still yeah. isn't a ton of money, but it's $10 more than I would have had if no one donated. And stuff like that just adds up very quickly, uh, especially with the, you know, amount of users that Wikipedia has you know, it can make a huge difference. Um, and you mentioned that they're not beholden to specific donors or that's right. Yeah. You know, things like that. And, you know, like Reddit, a lot of people would view Reddit as being run by, you know, the moderators who are also users. I think four people run the majority of the largest subreddits on Reddit. I forget the actual breakdown of it, but you're also seeing situations where, oh, right. This is a company that has shareholders that is owned mm-hmm. by other businesses and you know what happened however many months ago now where they're making vast changes to you know their open source api and everything like that where this these are changes that the majority of people did not want but it was centered around the money and i think that's where wikipedia makes that huge difference uh being 
you know, available to the public, like you had said, and, you know, they're not beholden to anyone in particular, which is, makes it so much more, I don't know, secure is the right word, but you're not concerned with other people swooping in and making changes that people don't want just for the sake of making a few extra dollars. Yeah, that, that, that would, that would never happen in Wikipedia. Not, not for the money motive. There, there's different ways that, that conflicts occur and we have consensus process, mediation process, dispute resolution processes that, w- that we go through to talk through these things. And there's, there's been plenty of big controversies in, in Wikipedia over the years, mm-hmm. but we've, we've never had to deal with a, a profit motive and need to need to bring in money. We've never had to deal with an owner who made unilateral decisions to force us to do things. You were saying in, in Reddit that there's a, a small number of people who are running most of the most of the community forums and it's the same in many platforms that there's internet influencers that have huge audiences disproportionately get get more of the attention and while we do have some people in the wiki community that are contribute more time and if you participate more you're you're more influential we don't have anything like anything like a a super high output content creator that that's super popular that makes governance decisions on that basis. We, we try to be democratic. We try to give everybody an equitable voice in, in all our, all our conversations. And there's no obvious power brokers that you could, you could point to, or if there are Mm -hmm. power brokers, they, they number in the number, maybe 10,000 with, with just about every one of those having an equal voice. It, it It wouldn't be easy to go into Wikipedia and point to, to people who have who are known and identified to have a lot of the power. Yeah. I, I looked that up while, while you were talking as well. And five people uh, run 92 of the top 500 subreddits. So, I mean, roughly 20% of the, the top 500 are run by five people, which is crazy to me to think that five people have that much control over, you know, what I imagine is a huge swath of what people see on Reddit. Cause I've, I forget what it's like. It's been so long since I, I joined Reddit where, I mean, you, you pick, you know, you have our all obviously, but then you mm-hmm. have, you know, pictures, uh, you know, videos, I think science is probably a big one. I forget all the top ones, but to think that, you know, how many people are probably, you know, subscribed to the majority of those most popular ones to think that those are all being moderated by the same five people. You can start to get a very curated uh, type of content if you're not careful. I'm I'm just guessing. I don't know anything about the situation, but a lot of the, the top social media posters, they're connected to some kind of corporate interest themselves. So these these five people, if if I just had to guess, they're not employed by Reddit, they're content creators who come to the platform. And I'm maybe they're not obviously promoting some kind of content or another, but I'm sure they have their sponsors and mm-hmm. along with the 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 unbranded content that they submit, I I wouldn't be surprised if leading people sometimes took money to to yeah. post in po- post in promoted content i have a question actually now that you, you mentioned that mm-hmm. uh with with wikipedia one of the, the uh uh the things that i worked on back when i was in working in advertising sales mm-hmm. uh was native advertising mm-hmm. which i'm not sure if you're familiar with that or not yeah i, I know the concept yeah that's oh I'll, I'll, I'll lay it out for yeah, lay it out, lay it out, lay it out. It's essentially advertising. That's in my case, at least, it was advertising where uh, I'll use an, I'll make up an example. Like, let's say it's like a Ford truck, right? It's 
basically I, I worked in a, in a newspaper, uh, essentially, and you would come up with an article about, you know, the new Ford F-150, you'd lay out all the features and the article would be based around the premise of like, oh, the pros and cons of the Ford F-150. And at the end, you'd say like, oh, this is, you know, linked to, you know, more information on Ford's website and this and that. And it's laid out to appear to be an article. Uh, but in reality, it's basically a giant advertisement in mm-hmm. the form of an article. Right. Yeah. So- and you okay. Yeah. Sneaky, sneaky stuff. Essentially, yeah. You, you, you want to know if this is in Wikipedia? Is that where we're going? I was, I was going to say, like, do you have issues with that where people <laughs> using native advertising links as sources for information? Wikipedia has got its critics and um, among the critics mixed in with the critics are, are the editors who, who don't typically criticize Wikipedia, but would, would join in criticism or, or problem detection if it occurred. We have an open call to the entire world. If you, if you're a researcher of Wikipedia, if you can detect this, if you're a critic of, of Wikipedia, if you can find something like this at any time in the past 20 years of Wikipedia, we'd really like to hear about it. I don't think we have a single case study identified of 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 this happening. There's been certainly marketers who come to Wikipedia, they, they drop stuff in. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it sneaks by the processes, but... I, I don't know of a case where it's been in Wikipedia for very long. I think there, there's some cases where it lasted for weeks, maybe some cases where something lasted for months. Things tend to last longer. You can sneak things by in Wikipedia more easily in less popular articles that nobody's reading. It makes sense. But yeah. but but to think that someone snuck by marketing or advertising in a popular area in Wikipedia, if, if anybody in the world can find this, then, then mm-hmm. please come, come forward with a case. It would be big big journalism. I don't think such a case exists. I I don't think anyone's snuck this by and I don't think anyone's even seriously attempted this. I was just, I was just curious because I can see like if you have people who are reviewing content, you know, the whole point of native advertising is to make you think it's an article. So I can see how someone who might not be familiar with it would think, Oh, this is just an article on it. So uh, yeah, that's just why I was thinking of that. If, if I had Um, to suggest like a way that this could be t- detected, something that Wikipedia could do is if somebody had a database listing native advertising sources, either publications that put this stuff out or ideally particular articles that, that feature this kind of kind of content, and then use an automated process to check how many times Wikipedia cites the, these kinds of sources pre- presenting this, this content natively inappropriately, does Wikipedia pull in this stuff? That that could be interesting. I don't think any anyone's done that, but I'm I'm not sure that database exists. I'm not sure how easy it would be to detect it otherwise. AI gets better every year. We're always looking for higher quality content and ways to detect mm-hmm. misconduct speaking in Wikipedia. Sorry. Yeah, but I was I, gonna say I, speaking of AI, like how is that coming to play for uh submissions on Wikipedia, like AI written content? If if content passes Wikipedia's we're mostly for getting an article in Wikipedia. Like I said, we're looking at the quality of the sources cited. That's mm-hmm. the first thing. Yeah. We have different AI tools that are capable of checking whether a claim in a, in Wikipedia matches the claim made in the original source. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're experimenting with that. There's, there's AI pilots for that right now. It's still humans doing, doing the fact checking. Uh, so that that's one thing. 
the the idea of an AI writing a Wikipedia article, citing sources correctly, and posting it into Wikipedia, we're not against it, but just the technology doesn't exist for this to happen yet. I can imagine it happen, happening in the future. So we're not really seeing a lot of this. One place where we do see AI, AI is in that, that actually goes live in Wikipedia is in translations. There's some languages that are easy easier to translate b- between each other. And if the translation is good enough to pass for native speech, then it can go in Wikipedia and no one's going to remove it. That's, that's what we see right now. But often the translators are, are low quality. They don't produce realistic language. And so people, people aren't posting that either. Okay. Yeah. I, I've, I've noticed a lot of AI usage where it's, I don't want to say the low quality, but it's people haven't wrapped their heads around the, the best way to utilize AI in a lot of cases. Right. You know, you see a lot of it with, I mean, I, I've seen articles about it at least where it's people getting caught trying to publish books that are completely written by AI. Right. And so right. a lot of it ends up being plagiarized. You see that with like images and things like that, where it's a lot of people trying to just create things with AI and then just say, here's what it is, as opposed to using AI as part of their toolbox. They're using it as the entire toolbox, I think is the best way of putting it. That's right. Go ahead. I I wouldn't be surprised if there's editors who use AI to write drafts of what they're going to do in Wikipedia. And then with their own human intellect and their own human labor, they rework that AI draft into something that they actually do post to Wikipedia. Exactly. Yeah, I, that's what I was gonna say. That's that's partially what we do uh, for like d- draft copywriting where I work. Where it's uh, we'll have AI come up with like a an example of it, and we'll utilize that as a reference point of okay, this is a way that we could word this or phrase this, and just kind of rework things in in a certain way that is a bit more natural on our end and that we can utilize better, uh, as opposed to just slapping an AI written paragraph on something. Um, but it, yeah, like I said, it, it is interesting to see how it's being developed and how people are figuring out how to use it still. I mean, chat GPT blew up very quickly in popularity and people are still, I would say the majority of people that use it just use it for like goofy, you know, asking it questions and things like that, as opposed to using it as like a tool, uh, you know, as it's, as it's intended almost to a certain point. I'm uh, I, I'm thoroughly impressed by ChatGPT. I I yeah. use it in in all kinds of contexts. I I think it's a generational leap. It, mm-hmm. I'm I'm I I'm at a university in a school of data science, so I see l- lots of AI tools. And we were we were all pretty surprised to see what ChatGPT could could do when it came out. Mm-hmm. I use it for drafts of so many letters. I'm not going to say it's it's good content, but it's it clears up a lot of brain space. It dumps a draft on the table, and it's pretty easy to rework in a lot of situations to letters, reports, very, very simple things. Summarization is good. If you've got a 10-page yeah. te- technical report and you don't even need to know what you're getting into, you can say, chat GPT, read this thing, to, read mm-hmm. this thing and summarize it to one page. And I think it does a, a great job there also. Yeah. We do we we do a lot of summarization of Wikipedia discussions, all, all these long conversations. It's people talking in internet forums, yeah. and if you ask Chat GPT to summarize these, it's already pretty good. And I can imagine a future where Chat 
GPT or the next generation thing is is near perfect or better than what a human could do for for summarizing complicated long discussions. Yeah, I think it's a matter of upgrading ChatGPT to an extent as it learns and develops. And then that as well as educating the users on like how best to phrase things, how best to like organize their thoughts in a way that the program can understand it easier, more easily. And, you know, in that regard, it, it just on both sides of it, learning how to, I mean, look at Google, for example, uh, learning how to have Google omit certain things from the results uh, using like quotations, you know, uh, hyphens, things like that. Just the different ways you can use Google that I would say most people don't utilize on a general basis. Um, it, you know, it's, I can see ChatGPT being the same sort of case. Like I said, I use it all the time for like drafts for, you know, different wordings of things. Uh, one of the best uses I've found for it is writing code when working on websites. Sure. It is super helpful for, I mean, I don't have a background in coding. I've mentioned it on the show a number of times where I went to school for computer science uh, and one of the main classes I had was coding and I hated it. And mm-hmm. now I work in a position where I do a lot of coding for websites and I still hate it, but I could, st- I could use chat GPT to help me out in situations where I'm not entirely sure how to get the code to work properly. And I'll explain like what I'm trying to get it to do. It'll return me some code. I can plop it in, see if it works. If not, I can explain the error and it'll come up with a correction that might work. And it's, it's very good at helping me work my way through errors uh, that I don't understand exactly. And that's been one of the best uses for it. Uh, that sourcing information for me as far as how to get, you know, certain programs to work that I might not understand. Uh, it, it is very useful and it's very quick, which is nice as opposed to, I mean, Google works well as well, but if I go into Google, I could type in my question and then I have to search to figure out what link is actually going to return me the correct information, you know, something that's not, uh, you know, an advertisement or, you know, a sponsored result. Or, or maybe it is like, maybe your answer mm-hmm. is mixed in with somebody's somebody's sponsored content. And, it could and be. Yeah. yeah. Google yeah. sends you to things that other people published. Google doesn't send you to to pages written by Google. Yeah. Th- this is changing. Google has their own artificial intelligence product. There may come a day mm-hmm. where if you go to Google and you ask it something, it's just going to answer your question and you never leave the Google platform. Yeah. Services like ChatGPT, we talk a lot about it in Wikipedia, not just because people use it, may use it, to write Wikipedia articles and submit those, but ChatGPT slurped up the entirety of Wikipedia. And if you ask it a question mm-hmm. and it's the kind of question that could be answered by Wikipedia, then it's pretty good at giving you answers right out of Wikipedia. It, it does contain, it, it's trained on part of its intelligence, the artificial intelligence, that's that's Wikipedia. It's got all of Wikipedia in its brain. And so, so does every other general reference AI because Wikipedia's yeah. It's that public park. Anyone can use it for any purpose. We didn't mm-hmm. anticipate AI coming along and slurping up the entirety of Wikipedia and redistributing it to people who don't even know that they're consuming Wikipedia content. But I think go- going into this artificial intelligence age, every every AI that's, that's general purpose is going to have, already has a, a copy of Wikipedia in it. Hmm. Yeah, it would make sense. Um, so- before I move off Wikipedia specifically, 
Hmm. Would you have any advice or recommendations to people who are interested in getting started working with like Wikipedia specifically or anything adjacent to that as far as, uh, you know, sourcing of information and, you know, compiling it into, you know, Wikipedia in general? Like, do you have any advice for people that you might give? I supposing somebody's just curious about Wikipedia and they want to know what it's about here. Here's what I say to do. So first read, read a newspaper that you like or a magazine or what read something that you like, find an interesting fact in it, and then try to take that fact out of your source and edit it into a Wikipedia article and, and cite the source that you just read. So find the best source of information on a topic that you care about, get a, get a fact out of that source, stick it into a Wikipedia article and cite the source. Like try. And if you're if you don't know what to do, just read a newspaper because if it's news, then it's probably not in Wikipedia because it just came out today. So read read a newspaper if you don't know where to begin, because just about any news can be put into Wikipedia the, the day that you read it. After you've added one sentence and one citation in Wikipedia, the next thing that I would recommend is go to any of the community forums, figure out how to find a community discussion forum in Wikipedia, and give your opinion on any any issue. It can be what do you think of the reliability of this source? You can say, um, somebody might be complaining, I don't think this is neutral. Give your opinion about, yes, this is neutral. This reflects the source or no, I think I see some bias here. Or jump into one of the wiki community conversations about some social or ethical issue. If you've added, if you've edited Wikipedia by adding a sentence and citation, that's a big part of it. And if you know how to jump into conversations, that's the other part of it. So if you've done those two things, you can call yourself a Wikipedian forever. Like just go ahead and do it right now because... Wikipedia has been around for a while. It's going to be around for a while and it's worthwhile to understand how it works. Nice. Um, one of the things that we touched on b- beforehand that I wanted to transition to now mm. was it, it related to my background is, you know, advertising and just social media in general and the way that, uh, you know, general information is spread online now. Yeah. Obviously there's a, been a huge, uh, sort of commotion as of late about the reliability of information and what it is and isn't, you know, news, so to speak, you know, Mm -hmm. fake news has been all over the place as of late, you know, as far as what people call fake news. Uh, What are your thoughts on like how I'll use an example, specifically very current one, as far as what's going on over in, you know, Israel with like Gaza and everything like that in just such a short amount of time, there's been so much information, whether reliable or not surrounding that. Uh, What is your thoughts on like how social media has really changed how people gather information, at least digitally? All right. So we're, we're going to be talking about Israel and Palestine. This, this is the subject you raise. We don't need to get into the no, politics. No, let's, no, let's, using that as the backdrop of the information. I mean, it's, 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 it's hard to discuss any, <laughs> in any case. Yeah. I can do this. I can do this. We're going to navigate this. <laughs> we're going to do this together. Okay. So let me let me just introduce this. First, I'm not I'm not going to talk about the issue. I'm, I'm going to be talking about media. I'm going to be talking about Wikipedia. I'm going to talk about what, what I see in Wikipedia. And I, I've got something to say that you're not going to hear from anyone except a Wikipedian. Okay, so here's what I got to say, and here's here's what's weird about this in Wikipedia, and here's what's weird about a lot of controversies in Wikipedia. So we got there's there's this there's this conflict, and there's two sides with with their point of views, at least two sides. There's there's majorly two sides, and then so many so many other perspectives within the in the two sides, and maybe we have some third sides somehow. 
And in Wikipedia, we're very source attentive. We want to know what sources are, are being published about things. Mm-hmm. And we also have records of editors and like what, what editors are adding what sources. And we can roughly say, if somebody wanted to, they could run an automated process and say, how many pro-Israel sources are being cited and how many pro-Palestine sources are being cited and how many editors are doing this? So this is this is a project that somebody could do for this issue or a great name, many, many other issues. Mm-hmm. And if you look at Wikipedia, you would see that most of the editors are sharing pro-Israel sources, okay? And you might consider why 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 is that the case? What what's going on here? Does Wikipedia have a have a bias for this? What's the if it does? What's what's the reason for this? And I think what you would see, like one of the things that you would see, and I'm not saying right or wrong or like what what to make of this, but if you went into the media landscape, I think that you'd see that most of the sources in the media environment period are pro pro Israel side. And that you're not going to find many pro-Palestine sources, hmm. and part of the reason for that is like this is this is one of the sources of the bias, is that there's many journalists employed by Israel. They they go all around the world. There's many communication offices for for everything to do with Israel, and there's just not a university research landscape in Palestine. There's not lots of universities that are that are putting out research from Palestine. There's not lots of newspapers in Palestine. There's not lots of news agencies in Palestine. Mm. Where where they exist, they don't always translate their press releases from to in into English from from whatever language they start with in English if we're talking about Arabic or Hebrew or whatever the case may be. We're we're not getting English language access to these. And also there's a disconnect with Israel being being part of Western media in lots of ways and publishing a lot of English language content that circulates well around the world, whereas in the the Arabic world, um, there's restrictions on using Wikipedia in Saudi Arabia. There's restrictions on using Wikipedia in, in some other Arabic Arabic language countries. We have some of these countries that are on different economies that don't prioritize investment in the media in the same way that it's it's so important for the the United States, for example. And I, I really believe that if you were to just count the number of sources that are pro-Israel and compare those to the, the sources that are pro-Palestine and the number of researchers and journalists publishing on this topic, you're just going to find that the weight of the sources is on the side with the most money invested in media. I, that's to be expected. And yeah. we Wikipedia reflects that. Makes sense. Yeah, it. I feel like there was a point in time where, you know, I'll use Twitter as an example. Mm-hmm. You know, you so many people would use Twitter as their source of information or news, because something would happen, and within seemingly minutes, the entire video of whatever was going on would be available on Twitter. You could go there and be like, "Oh, this is what happened." I've seen it. Now I know what the, you know, what's going on. Mm-hmm. You're getting firsthand reports back immediately. Same thing goes for Reddit or, you know, whatever platform uh, people were using. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and then I, over time it's, I mean, and I'm sure it was just on a smaller scale back then. But I mean, if you look at now, like what, what happens, 
there are so many cases of people injecting their own personal biases, whether consciously or unconsciously, uh, onto situations. Uh, you know, they're pulling. There's so many. There's so much content out there to use as sources, um, and w- which is what we've seen in certain cases with the current conflict over there and between Israel and Palestine of videos that people are saying, oh, this is something that's happened where it's a video from 10 years ago in Afghanistan or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it It has become very easy for people to post something, whether knowingly or unknowingly, you know, misleading people. And people latch onto that. They're reposting it. They're sending it out to other places. It seems very easy for misinformation to spread uh, unchecked to a certain extent. Um, Here, here's something that I would wish for Israel or Palestine or just about any uh, any other ma- major conflict whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So I, I wish that there were governmental press releases. No, no big deal. Like no surprises there. I wish that they were easily accessible. Like if there's if there's some controversy, I wish if there's a high level agency that, that's taking a position, we did this, we didn't do this. I wish it, wish that that was accessible. I wish that the government agencies would not assert copyright over their press releases. I know this is kind of a funny thing, but Wikipedia will not publish someone else's copyrighted content. And the national law of just about every country demands that every government publication has a copyright for that government on it. And when governments, when there's such a, when there's a press release, my expectation of a press release is the organization or government issuing the press release wants it to go in circulation around the internet. Mm-hmm. But if they issue a press release and then they also say the copyright term of this press release is 70 years, don't republish it until 70 years has passed, then we cannot put that content into Wikipedia for 70 years. Yeah. So if, if, if we could get quotes out of press releases and use those to complement the coverage that we have in Wikipedia articles. And I feel in, in so many cases, we could have more balanced coverage of a lot of global conflicts and a lot of governmental positions in Wikipedia, but hard to find the press releases. They often don't exist at all. When they exist, they, they might have a copyright on them. And another thing that the copyright does is it prevents us from doing translations of them. So we, we can't, if it's in another language, we can't even translate the stuff and convey the words if yeah. if if they're asserting copyright and telling us don't don't reproduce this without our permission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, like I said it is social media is very much a double-edged sword because it it can be like I said it's super useful in certain cases of spreading information like hey this is what's going on here avoid this area hey there's flooding whatever like it's very very useful as far as spreading useful information to people uh positive information whatever and then there are also issues where it's like, hey, you guys have latched onto this way too much. Look at the, uh, on Reddit, the Boston Marathon bombing. Remember they thought they had found the guy that did it and it was I'm, just some poor random I'm, person that yeah, happened to be there. I'm familiar with the case. Yeah, just inter- yeah. internet detectives looking at pictures, passing judgments on ran- random people who were there and they selected the wrong person and made an accusation. Yeah, it, 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 that that happens a lot. Like that's the one case mm-hmm. that that people know, but this this happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And I I I don't want to go too much into this. There, there's I'm I'm an American. There's this value for free speech. Um, yeah. I believe in free speech for for individuals. I don't believe in free speech for for corporations or for people to to spread misinformation at scale mm-hmm. using money and 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 our shared common infrastructure. 
I think mm -hmm. people have have an expectation of, of some kind of reliability and in, in fact checking. And I, I don't like the idea of people people using money. And I, I it can happen by accident in the case of that that Reddit post where communities just were, were lacking information and drawing conclusions. Um, yeah, I, and I don't want to put those people. Down. I mean, they thought they were doing the right thing, right? They the, thought, hey, we're going to find yeah. this guy. We're going to bring him to justice, help help law enforcement catch the, the person that did this terrible thing. They had good intentions. They were just misinformed. People and very motivated. <laughs> it can happen with propaganda too. So in that case, community mm. spontaneously came to a wrong conclusion. Yeah. But there's there's bad actors who look at the cases like this and say, how can we re-replicate this? for mm. political propaganda or for marketing or for, for, for crowd control. And I think people should be, should be afraid of this. Especially with the usage of bots. I mean, I think most, I think it's what 44% of social media platforms are bots at this point. It's going to increase. Yeah. I, I, I believe that in, in the future, especially with the rise of AI, it'll be easier it, and easier to I, generate stuff. I think most of the most of the media content that people consume in the future, whether text or pictures or news, the television you watch, the movies you watch, I think increasingly there there's going to come a time when most people, the content that most people consume is is produced by AI and not by humans. Hmm. It's gonna it's gonna come close. I think it's gonna be gonna be pretty soon that that happens. Like within, I'm throwing out a prediction, but I, I would say within twenty years. Yeah, I mean, even like uh, this is a smaller scale version of that to an extent. Uh, and this is not a show I watched, but I, I have seen the intro. I think it was the uh, as a Marvel show where they used AI to create the intro, the Secret Wars uh, mm -hmm. on Disney. But they used AI to generate the entire opening sequence of that show. And it's interesting. Like, I it's cool to, to think like, oh, they did that. Mm -hmm. But at what point is are they just going to have AI generated shows? Uh, I'm not sure if you saw this. They had, uh, I think they kept. Uh, I forget how they did it. I think it was completely AI generated. It was just Seinfeld, some guy. I watched on Twitch. It, yeah, not uh, nothing forever or the sh the show about nothing forever, something like that. Yeah, and it was just AI generated Seinfeld. And I, it was. I, I'm in love with internet culture. I'm not not the biggest Seinfeld fan, but I, I know what's going on, and I I watched yeah. that thing. It's procedurally generated comedy, mm -hmm. and I'm not gonna say it was it was so good, but it, it was intriguing, and I know it's gonna get it's, better every year forever. It's fascinating how it works. Mm. Like it, I, I was, you could sit there and watch it and be like, well, this isn't, you know, it's a, clearly a robot attempting to make jokes, right? But at the same time, it's like, wow, this is a robot coming up with jokes, and it's viable. Show and like a script. The, yeah, this is a vi yeah. this is viable content. Mm -hmm. This is yeah. watchable. And it's yeah, going to get it's, better. It's really interesting. It's really bizarre. Um, yeah, it, like I said, it, it's both. It's in, I'm excited to see like how it moves forward and how it adapts and evolves. But I'm also worried about how it's going to be used to just kind of, at least from a media perspective, how it's going to be used to just put out quick, cheap content that's just there to make a quick quick bit of cash uh, and just lacking of quality to an extent. I can, uh, yeah. I can say something about there. There's a, there's a strike going on right now among mm -hmm. actors in the United States. Yeah. So you, can, you read about this on Wikipedia and, and other news. Mm -hmm. My, my boyfriend works in, in movie industry in, in New York. Uh, so he's, he's been un, unable to work for the, for the term of the strike. 
there was an there was a writer strike and then an actor strike joined it and the mm. actor strike is is ongoing one of the issues that's that's being discussed is about background actors being replaced with artificial intelligence mm-hmm. uh, so i I'm, I'm just going to explain this briefly if you ever see a um movie or television show and people are walking on the street and then there's people in the background or they're inside a building for whatever reason. And there's people in the background. Those are not just random people who happen to be in the background while the actors are shooting. Everybody that you Mm -hmm. see in the background is actually an actor themselves. They're a background actor. They're paid to be Mm -hmm. there. They're, they're, they're doing their business because they're, they're part of the movie. And most of the movie industry, most actors, most professional actors are background actors because there's a few actors who have speaking roles whose names you know, but just about everyone who's a who's a professional actor are doing acting professionally. They're doing it as background actors because it takes huge numbers of them. They appear in so many different movies. Background is a, a big part of the movie industry. And these people, they, they have wardrobes. They, somebody's got to put them in the costume. Somebody's got to style their hair. Somebody's got to do their makeup. They need to be supported on the movie set in different ways. And it, it's just always been that way. And no one ever imagined, would, would you ever get rid of all the background actors in, in every movie? But technology yeah. has come to the point where it's possible to create realistic background actors out of AI, just generate a human face on demand, an original human face from someone who's never, never existed on this earth, and then have them casually walk by in the background and the viewer would not be able to tell the difference. An AI person in the background Especially since it's a in the background, you're not focusing yeah. on it anyway. Yeah, and so if if this were to happen, if the if the industry were to say we don't need background actors anymore, then you lay off eighty percent of all actors. That means you lose eighty percent of people in the union, and you also lay off all the people who depend on jobs to work with those those background actors. Mm-hmm. And I, I know it's a business, and businesses look for for ways to cut cost. And I'm not saying we should preserve a job just for the sake of preserving jobs indefinitely, but do what? What are we doing? Oh, is there going to be any humanity, or, or do we just exist to watch the content produced by robots mm-hmm. for perpetually? Or are there humans going to be humans involved in this? There's such a thing as live theater, Broadway production, stage shows, and they they made a decision decades ago that if you go see a Broadway stage show that there's going to be an orchestra. They're going to play live music for you. That could mm-hmm. be replaced with a music recording. But would you want to go see... What, what, what is the point of seeing actors on a, on a stage if it's not humans doing it and exactly. with, a, yeah. with, a, with a human production? Uh, I, I don't know what, what to think about this. I, I certainly... I'm, I'm not going to say stop AI. I'm not going to say we, we can't do this, but where where do humans fit in society what place are humans supposed to have in society mm-hmm. what what are we going to do about ai increasingly taking over not just the the jobs of humans but the the social interactions of humans mm-hmm. instead of humans interacting with other humans increasingly people are under pressure all your friends should be AI. You should read what an AI says, watch what an AI does, talk with an AI. If you've got a question, ask an AI. All your socialization should be with AIs as much as possible. That's where we're going with this. And I, I am alarmed by that. Yeah, it it kind of goes back to like when, you know, the whole discussion about replacing people at 
you know, fast food restaurants like McDonald's with robots, you know, I have a mm. robot flipping the burger. Yeah. You know, it's just a touch screen to order the food and things like that. And I mean, they are doing that to an extent, you know, you walk in, I, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you the last time I walked into a McDonald's, but I know they're a place they have touch screen, you know, order machines, whatever you want to call them available in a lot of them now. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it, it's weird. It, it's, it, it, like you said, it, like at what point are we like cutting the humanity out of human interaction? Um, and it's a little worrisome in that regard. Mm. And I, it, like you said, it, it is a business. You, the whole point, especially business with like shareholders and things like that, there are the people at the top's job is to make money for the shareholders. That's literally their job. Cut costs, get as much profit as they can. Um, but at the same time, it's like this is such a huge percentage of, you know, the industry relies on these positions and to cut them out entirely is very is seemingly inhumane, you know, and I'm out of this industry. Like, I don't I don't have all the information to, to know this. I have someone that works as an actress um, and she's a friend of mine. But so I have what you know, she's told me, but I've never experienced it myself. I just go by what she says. And it is, you know, it's worrying, you know, I don't want her to lose her job. I mean, she's, she is writing and acting and it's worrying to see like, oh, she's going to be out of a job because they're just going to have a robot write it up. And it's, it's like, that's, I don't know. It doesn't the, sit well with me. It's a, well. Actors are one thing and it's, a, it's a, it's something that people relate to. Everybody watches some kind of TV or, or movies, mm-hmm. but this isn't just about actors. You're, you, this is happening to actors, but it's going to happen to you too. Like whoever you are, it's gonna, yeah. it, you're, you're going to be replaced by a robot too. And how, how are you going to feel about it? And what, yeah. what is this, what is the point of our, our society? Like why, why have we developed a civilization? Why do we have a society? Is the point of our society to just shovel, shovel money up to a, to, to a marketplace or can people mm-hmm. demand in society? I want to walk around society. I don't want to be exposed to advertising. Like that's my right as a citizen. Like we, we as a yeah. society, we decide we want to curb advertising. We want to say you, you can't do that because it society needs to be livable. Or you might want to say, I want to go, go throughout my day and I want to interact with humans. I don't want to interact with the five people who, who run this platform for commercial interests and mm-hmm. who they're making content that, that people think they want. But the, the, the true cost of this is you, you start consuming this content, you let it into your community, your environment, your society, and there's not going to be more room for humans. You, you let this content mm-hmm. in and you're going to be interacting with an AI for everything you do for, for the foreseeable future, the rest of your life. And I don't know how many generations. And it is I worry in, in the sense of like the advertising side of it. Cause I mean, mm. it, even not just the advertising specifically, but just the, you can see it kind of creeping in. Like you see vehicles, like certain vehicles. Now I forget which ones it is. It might be Volkswagen. I can't remember where they have microtransactions in the vehicles. Oh, you pay a monthly fee now in order to have heated seats or, uh, I forget the other features they were doing, uh, but things like that. And I can easily see that becoming a thing where, you know, in the center console or the dash where you have, you know, the screen for, you know, your music, or whatever, I can absolutely see them putting ads on there while you're driving. Like I can see that becoming an issue where you're listening to music and then they just have ads pop up while you're listening to the music or whatever. And like that, uh, they have, I forget where it was at. I don't know if you remember, if you saw this in the news, 
where it might have been in New York, New Jersey, I don't remember, where they had drones flying around in the sky at night with a with an advertisement and people were upset because, you know, they're out walking at night trying to look at the stars and there's just a whole wall of drones in the sky promoting so I forget what it was. I feel bad pulling this I- up without I'm I'm all for consumer rights. I'm for the people in the community saying this we like certain things, we don't like certain things. People participating in, in governance, citizen governance, citizen involvement in governance. And I, I think communities are happier if they can somehow manage to to organize and, and have regulation to say we want curbs on advertising, we want curbs on marketing, we we want our city and our living space to be designed for the benefit of people, not for the benefit of corporations who are trying to sell the people something. Uh, mm-hmm. I wish that could happen in more places. There's some countries that have curbs on advertising. I think that's a great thing. United States, one, one thing that's unusual about the United States is we allow advertising of pharmaceutical drugs and medicines. And most other countries yes. would say that's insane to do. Here mm-hmm. in the United States, this is this is considered free speech. Like, why, why, can't, you, why can't you tell people to go ask their doctor for medicine that they don't need and that's not indicated and the doctor wouldn't be, wouldn't be giving them unless they weren't told by an advertisement to ask for it. Uh, I've had this discussion a lot, especially with my, you know, my grandparents being uh, older, mm-hmm. uh, you know, my, my girlfriend's parents are older uh, and just talking to her about that a lot where it's like, it, to, I mean, I, I'm, I have a hard stance on it. I think it's crazy that we allow that sort of thing where it's like, Especially people like, you know, I'll use my grandmother as an example. Mm-hmm. She was, before she passed, she was not all there mentally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for people like that, I can absolutely see Because she she was distrusting of doctors and things like that near the end. And I could absolutely see her if, if she was in a position to like, if she was able to watch TV and understand what was going on to a certain extent. I could absolutely see someone like her going to her doctor and saying, I need this medicine and demanding it and things like that. She's trying to learn, learn about her health. Yeah. She finds an advertisement that's speaking to her and increasingly it's going to be marketed directly to her. Mm -hmm. And they're going to, they're going to tell her to take a drug that her doctor would not recommend. Her doctor's got her on something, something safer, safer for her, but the advertisement says something different. Yeah. I mean, it's, it already is marketed towards specific groups. I mean, you, depending on what channel you're watching, mm-hmm. like if I turn on like ESPN or something, it's going to be more geared towards, you know, sort of middle-aged men, uh, slightly like middle-class, up, upper middle-class, things like that. You're going to get advertisements for like luxury sedans or trucks, you know, probably, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, you know, as opposed to uh, I, whatever, I don't watch TV really. So this is out of my area of expertise, but you're going to, you know, depending on what channel you're watching, you know, you're gonna have a different target audience and the, you know, those stations know who their target audience is. So the advertisements on there are going to be geared towards them. You have, you know, uh, shows like, uh, price is right. I was trying to think of that. We actually have a, a client I work with actually has a product coming up on the price is right. And, uh, you know, they have a specific audience that they're they're marketed to and so the products that go onto the show are geared towards that audience and you know it it is marketing it all it always comes back to that i did look it up while we were talking here uh the drones in new york uh it was candy crush <laughs> the game candy crush they sent 500 drones up into the air at night uh to market candy crush 
it's like a the, Candy Crush is a it's a highly addictive game that people put on their phones. It consumes hours of life. If somebody needs access to video games, I want them to have it. But some video games are addictive and they impede people's social interaction with other people. When when people could be could be socializing. Um, so sometimes phones do whatever they can to get you spend to spend more time on the phone. Yeah. And I, I don't think that makes for a happier, more fulfilling life. At what point do you lose the right to go outside and look up at the sky at night and not have marketing in your face though? It's bizarre to me that that's where we're at. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I, I don't oh. have answers for these things. I, I encourage people yeah. to keep, keep talking, <laughs> like put, put put the information out. If you've got good sources, I'm advertising and I'm, I'm very anti-advertising in a lot of spaces. You know, it, I, I feel like I come at it from a perspective of, I want to advertise to people, but I want to be respectful of the consumer at the same time. You know, it's like, I view it from like a, would I want this to happen to me? Yes or no. You know, it, I, I don't know. I just try to be empathetic about it. Where at the end of the day, I realized from a business perspective, it, empathy is not at the top of their list of important things. It's about making money. It's it's very important to me and it's very important to communities. And the world cannot be explained by simple rules. I don't think you should say, let's let's ban free speech. I don't think you should yeah, say, Let, let's ban it's advertising. It's, sure. it's, it's, it's somewhere in between. It takes community yeah. conversation, conversations by humans. You can't let these decisions be made solely by corporations. People should say, these are our ethical values. These are our rights. We want some freedom from billboards. We want some freedom from sky advertising. We want to be able to walk around and not have, have somebody sell things to us. Mm -hmm. And we want to know if information that marketers are using or that information that's coming from any channel, do we, do we want fact-checked information in our community? Do we allow people to share non-fact-checked information if there's experts who are saying that particular kinds of information is, is dangerous propaganda? about mm. health issues or safety issues or consumer issues. Where, where are we getting our information? And I'd, I'd like for people to have higher quality of information and to know that their information is fact-checked or, or checked by whatever process they believe in rather mm. than have other people decide what everybody in the world is going to consume. People should be able to decide for themselves. And it's not easy to do that right now. Yeah. I, I always do say, like I urge people to, I know people are tired of hearing the phrase, but like, do your own research, right? Where it's like, at least check the sources of what you're getting stuff from. Uh, you know, it, I we were in the process of starting up another podcast called I Do My Own Research, where it was presenting current events and topics, things like that, sourcing everything as we're presenting it, uh, while presenting it in a sort of laid back, you know, approach where it's, you know, we're not it's not a hard hit. It's not hard hitting journalism like ABC nightly news, but it was more like laid back comedy sort of, but at the same time presenting it in a, an unbiased light with sources. And it, like I said, it, it's so quickly uh, information, misinformation rather spreads so quickly and people don't question it because it's, from someone they trust. I don't know how many times my girlfriend's mom will say, Oh, I saw this on Facebook. It's like, all right, well, from what, who? What, yeah. What's person, the, what's the fact know? checking? Like why it, yeah. no, information doesn't come from Facebook. It goes through Facebook, but somebody pipes exactly. it to yeah. you. Yeah. It, and you know, just taking things at face value all the time can be dangerous. 
uh, not saying you should distrust your friends, you know, on Facebook necessarily or whatever, but don't just blindly accept everything as the truth that you see on, especially online. You know, it, it is, it's kind of ironic, you know, growing up, your parents say, oh, you can't believe everything you see online. And now I'm having to basically repeat that same thing back to my parents. <laughs> it's a bit bit too complicated to go through, but Wikipedia's got a fact checking process for for every debate that you can think of. We've we've asked people what are the best sources you can find for all sides of the debate. They go through the Wikipedia editorial machine, get fact checked, get indexed, cited when possible, debated in in other cases. It's it's a whole thing. Uh, do your own research. You could say the wiki community is doing doing research transparently in public. There's records of every every conversation. We we publish every debate and conversation that happens in Wikipedia. Permanently mm-hmm. archive these things. It's it's not trivial. It's hard for us to do fact checking in some cases, and to say that somebody without out training in this can just wander around the internet, find mm-hmm. the right sources and and do the research. Yes, yeah, sometimes it can happen, but oftentimes it's very difficult. Yeah. Awesome. Well. Thank you so much for being here, man. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to touch on before we wrapped up here. Oh, Josh, I love the conversation. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you. Thank you. I had a great time. This is, it was very informative. I appreciate all the insights you brought, all the information about it. It's, it's really fascinating to hear about all the different facets of Wikipedia and the ways people go about gathering information and sourcing it and things like that. So thank, thank you a bunch. I, I really do appreciate it. Thanks, Josh. Like I said, you're invited to edit anytime. And so is anyone who's listening. Awesome. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to <laughs> gather information about dead destructions and see what I can get. That'd be that'd be interesting to see what I can source on myself, essentially. Mm. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate. It. Thank you, Thanks. everyone, for listening. It's been uh, episode one hundred and ninety-seven of the Dead Destructions podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Lane.